Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you ate before the show, because you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvesting Nature's Wild Fishing Game Podcast. you got your host here, Justin Townsend, and we are recording an episode ad hoc tonight. Uh, no set conversation point. We are just catching up. Uh, the summer's been busy for all of us. We've been all over the U.S. doing various trips or traveling, some for work, some for pleasure, some for family, some for, I don't know, just to do it. Uh, but either way, uh, we're going to be here uh, for the next little bit chatting, so enjoy our banter <laughs> colin what have you been up to uh hey everyone i'm colin and uh <laughs> you know i've just been exploring the outdoors in uh in in oregon here i've been going going on a bunch of hikes i'll talk about some of the stuff that i've come across on my hikes uh later in the show um and then uh trying to get after some invasive species i think i talked about it last time uh, last time I was on the show, and I'll give a little bit of recap and some updates. You can call it learning as I grow in my invasive species control methods. And, uh, yeah, so it was a fun discussion, so I uh, hope people enjoy it. Corey, what do you got? So uh, in my area, we had a case of CWD. What? Yeah. So I I it was at a captive cervid farm. So a deer farm. They had trophy bucks, and they had they killed killed every one of them and tested each one, and it was just the one deer that tested positive. But it's only like you know 
15 miles, not even 15 miles from my, my house, but they made the whole upper section of the county a disease management area. So have some questions on how I'm going to handle my my deer if I get if I get any in this area. I did open up some opportunities though. The Pennsylvania Game Commission um, designated this I for I forget how many square miles as a disease management area, but within that they created a DMAP area where they're issuing additional doe tags. So I I got one of those. So I have expanded my hunting opportunities. I just have to figure out how I'm going to handle the meat if I get something. And they're they're going to provide testing sites. I just got to do some research, figure out where I need to go and what I need to do. And then I'm I'm definitely going to wait, you know, having a wife and three kids that all eat it. I'm definitely going to have it tested before we we consume any uh because i i don't want to be the first you know hey you're the first one that had ever did that to patient <laughs> <Yeah>. zero <laughs> so, i don't want to be you know with my luck uh, that's me so We're, i'm going to take precautions here we have the sly family in pennsylvania that are yeah, the our, case study uh, carriers yeah. now uh thank you everyone yeah so um yeah it, it always brings up some interesting questions we had uh Last year, AJ's dad shot his mule deer uh, in the area in Wyoming we were hunting at is a CWD area. And uh, I don't know if they had a, I forget if it was mild case or, or what it was, but, um, or mild area, I forget. But uh, we had it tested. Uh, we had the opportunity, like the biologist was just there where we were at. And we we're like, hey, test this. And he showed me. I think there were some pictures we posted on the, on the, um, on Instagram, uh, of oh yeah, I was with them. That was like last October. Right. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's cool to watch them do it uh, to do the test because they get the like thyroids basically at the very very back of the the skull. Uh, so you had to like cut it at the base, uh, then peel it back, and then get cut them out uh, basically behind the jaw uh, is where they like to test them at. Yeah, what what um, I think what Pennsylvania is going to do I think is a lot like what. Like, I see Wisconsin has done, like, Doug Duran posts about it, is the the big dumpsters. So you, like, double bag the head and throw the head in the dumpster with your information, and they'll test it and get back to you. So I, 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 I oh, won't wow. get the opportunity to watch a biologist do it or anything like that. It's just basically a throw, throw it in a collection container and wait for results however long that takes and, um yeah not sure i know um i know there's some mandatory testing areas here in colorado so I'm, i gotta navigate that this year too um i definitely don't think i would be consuming it either it's such a oh man it's a hard thing to think about what if you had one steak it was in a pack, and it like fell into a bag of others, and you cooked it, and then you didn't realize until you were cleaning up after dinner that that pack was marked from that deer that you were waiting test results to get back. I guess there's nothing I can do at that point.
I, I've been slacking. I've been slacking recently. <laughs> uh, like last night, I was like, Justin, Jeff just left. We got to clean up. You're going to have to edit this week. And I waited until the last minute to tell. Oh him yeah. That. Oh yeah. Gotta, I wanted to ask about that. How yeah, was yeah. That? Hold on. You got to You got to tell us. You got to tell us the whole story of yeah. how Jeff made it to your house. Talk about Jeff Benda, right? Jeff wild Benda. Game, yep. Wild, wild fishing game. Wild game and fish. Crack, crack name. Yeah, crack name for an Instagram profile. Really. But uh, yeah, so he really uh, capitalized on that. He did. Go ahead, Corey. So his wife's family is having a wedding in Pittsburgh. And so they flew into Pittsburgh at the beginning of the week, and they wanted to check out Niagara Falls. And then after Niagara Falls, um, heading back down to Pittsburgh, they wanted to stop in the Allegheny National Forest. And we're actually right smack dab on the way in the middle between Pittsburgh and Niagara Falls. So he asked me, he, like, what is there to do in the f- National Forest and everything? So. We got the dog. I was like, yeah, you need to check out this place and that place. And they have a good campground here. And I was like, man, if you're there, you know, you're not too far from my house. You should stop by if you have time. So we planned it where he would stop by on um, on an evening. And that's what he did. He and his wife and his daughter stopped. And he brought antelope, um, top round and bottom round. And we... Uh, put that on the pellet grill and I marinated venison top round and we uh, put made that into kebabs with like portobello mushrooms and peppers and onions and put that on the pellet grill and that and he did he used a um, a jacquard I think I'm pronouncing that right jacquard jacquard meat tenderizer so it's like bunch of needles and you just press into it so the antelope was super tender oh, yeah <laughs> like made it to a nice huh. medium rare and and i mean it, it was like melt in your mouth first time i ever had antelope and we made it so up. you ready to come to wyoming yeah that's like <laughs> my my wife really liked it too and my son was like dad you need to go hunting for antelope i was like yes you you are correct i need to go do that $30 tag, man. $30 for out-of-state doe tag. Nice. How long is the season? Um, it There's there's two seasons. It's either the first part of October or the second part of October. Um, All right. That's we, right when my, my deer season starts up here, which are I'm going to need all the available time I can get if I'm going to take one of those. Yeah, we have... Um, was it? I think September first, antelope archery begins here, and I think antelope or archery elk as well, and bear. Nice. Pretty right. much September. September it begins, and then October. Sorry, did I say September before or October? October. Yeah, October. So, and October starts matching with the rifle seasons here and stuff. Right on. But yeah, so. Sorry, Corey, I interrupted you. Yeah, but we—I mean, we had that. The kids, my—I think all three of my kids ate the antelope and enjoyed it. And I, I made a little charcuterie board. We—I had goose pastrami, venison pepperoni, ooh, 
um, some venison Ooh. hot cheese sticks, and uh, there's a not too far from here a place makes cheese. It's called Cuba Cheese in Cuba, New York, and um, so we uh, had. I was about to say Cuba, the country. No, Cuba, <laughs> Cuba, New York. So we had like this really good mozzarella and cheddar cheese, oh. and then like a bacon cheddar cheese spread, and. Um, mm. toasted baguette and some townhouse crackers and club crackers it was it was a nice spread we enjoyed that i i think yeah, he, man, they ended sounds... up cuz his daughter was same is about the same age as my kids so they got along really well and they were here for like 4 hours it was nice so nice that's really good to hear it's i was really, really happy awesome. to see that picture yeah, yeah, it, me too. I'm glad you guys. He he came to Pennsylvania like it's it's been raining nonstop for like a week and a half, and so like all the rivers and streams are all high and muddy. So he wanted to go fishing and or floating in the canoe with the family and um can't do that. Everything's high and muddy, but and it it was thunder and lightning as we're cooking out. He has a he has. I'll have to send you the picture. Um. He's holding an umbrella over me as I'm, I'm grilling on the pellet grill because it's <laughs> pouring down rain. But yeah, it was a good time. It was. That's teamwork. Right. Yeah. But so. Yeah, it was nice. Nice to to meet him. I've never even met you in person, Justin. We we were talking about that. It's true. I haven't met you, Corey. Yeah. So. Nobody wants to come to PA. Well. Uh... Yeah, and that's not true. I'm coming out this winter. Yeah, there, yeah. Um, you have to. We'll have to make. You that, told me you sure were coming happens. to Colorado this year, but but then you changed it. Well, we were going to go to Colorado last year, but COVID. Yeah. Well, then you said this year maybe. maybe we yeah. Maybe well, we true. wanted to take a vacation with the kids this year, so so we switched that up and did a kid friendly vacation, but maybe next year. I'm still pushing because I want to. Next year, we had a fly fishing trip I mean, scheduled, and I wanted, I want to catch some cutthroat. Oh yeah, I was just fishing. Fourth uh, of July weekend, we were fishing up at a lake, uh, Montgomery Reservoir, up by Breckenridge, and there's a native cutthroat in there. Did you catch any? No, I did not catch any cutthroat trout. We caught uh, one brown trout and four rainbows nice um, which we kept the uh the rainbows i took two and we made trout miniere i think colin and I, I talked about this uh on the on the last episode but um yeah can you describe it again yeah so trout miniere you basically like you you gut the trout um you gill it so i basically instead of just gilling it only uh, I took its entire head off and just had the the meat of the fish, so not filleted, still bone on, and you dust it in flour, uh, season it with salt and pepper, dust it with flour, and then you like knock the flour off to make sure there's none like extra, and then you melt clarified butter in a pan and you basically fry it um, in that pan, and then. Uh, from there, you uh, take that butter out and then put some more butter back yeah. in and then put parsley 
and lemon juice in there to make your sauce. And then you pour that over the top of the trout. It was, yeah, it was really good. Zoe ate it. Uh, my daughter ate it. Uh, she's normally not a, a fish on the bone type girl, but uh, she she ate that one pretty well. And then um, we have the other three, no, nice. the other two. So we have one more rainbow and one more brown trout, which I'm saving. But I'm actually going to post that recipe up on on Harvesting Nature here pretty soon on the website. Oh, yeah, we need to post so, that um, bear bear Dominican mm-hmm. pepper steaks. Yeah, I was just I was just thinking about that the other day. Um, actually, uh, that that would be a good one to post here soon. Um, probably when fall fall bear or in a week or so. Or two weeks, or three—I don't know. Um, what about that that article about the Oregon? Um, wow, a lot of attention. Oh yeah, that got some traction for sure. Uh, yeah, and I think rightfully so. I mean, I'll be—I'd like to put it out there to, to everyone that we're not in the business of trying to cause like divide or anything or like so discord or you know have the clickbaity articles and everything but uh i mean it was surely an attention grabbing headline um i mean there are people in oregon who want to outlaw and it's getting signatures too but they want to outlaw the all the exemptions to the animal cruelty laws in oregon which allow for hunting trapping um, husbandry practices basically you can't touch an animal if it's going to har- harm or hurt the animal um, what, what was it uh, I um, proposition what uh, like 13? IP initial oh there it is yes on ip.org initial proposition yeah right? so I think I think it's it's due we should explain uh, exactly what the proposition initial proposition process is you mean like like how a bill becomes a law, like the schoolhouse <laughs> rock stuff, or <laughs> you gotta sing it? No, as far as like this particular case in Oregon, oh. because like to get a proposition, they have to get a thousand signatures, and then uh, once they get the thousand signatures, then it becomes a an initial proposition. Then they have yeah. to get a hundred thousand signatures 100, in order for it to go on the ballot of 2022's election uh to be voted by the majority uh, or by the population as a bill right and i don't correct does it does their website have the current signature count no because they um when when i wrote the article i was a little bit late i was trying to catch it right before it went so the I think the cutoff period may have been like the 10th or 11th of July that they needed the signatures by, and I was trying to catch it on that day, and uh, I just kind of slipped up and didn't catch it in time. But uh, so they pulled they pulled the the signature area down uh, so they can be counted uh, for the official count. Okay. Um, So yeah, it's not like it's not happening. It's not happening. Happening. It's just there's a movement within Oregon that's trying to do it and i think maybe some of that got lost in the the article title where that it was like definitely happening um but yeah just to clear some of that but up. i mean looking at the bill itself like 
I, I just wanted to put it out there for like conversation and awareness, what I think was my main piece with putting it out there. You know, granted, yes, I know it's going to garner attention, but I obviously yeah. write things so people read it. Um, yeah, we're not going to write it, it's, bland stuff. <laughs> no. Well, they're like, oh, look at those guys at Harvesting Nature, such mediocre writing. Um, yeah. <laughs> But no, I mean, I, I explained exactly what it was, and I, I pointed out some points that I thought that were interesting, like the the ability of the the organization behind the bill to just sort of like, oh yeah, this attack. They're basically like it's an attack on hunting and fishing and trapping and agriculture, animal agriculture. And right. what stood out a lot about reading the FAQs, they're like, Oregon's this great agriculture state, and we don't need meat agri- or animal agriculture because we have all these other great agriculture outlets. And on top of that, we predict that without animal agriculture, the system will just figure itself out and everybody will start growing meat substitute products that are equitable and protein value. And it'll sort of work itself out is, yeah. is the way that I, I read into their section and I was like, wow. It's a bold statement. Um, yeah, it's a it's a very egregious assumption, I think, because meat will just come from somewhere else. But I, I also think too, like the the agriculture industry nationwide, and even at the state level, like being as strong as it is, um, would never would never let this this proposal no, become a bill so. or this bill become a law. Like, meh. And I think we said that a couple times in in our in the comments on our Instagram is like trying to, oh, yeah. to see people getting riled up and <laughs> you're just trying to put it down like oh, we don't think it's going anywhere we just wanted to put it out there this is happening uh yeah I, there are way too many farmers and hunters in oregon to let that even if it does come up for election in the in a vote i don't think it'll ever happen yeah i mean when when you talk about animal cruelty like no one's for animal cruelty um, right. Yeah. You know, well, I guess I won't say no one. There's probably people for animal cruelty, but I don't know of any personally. Um, <laughs> They're not held in high regard. <laughs> no. Um, so, but there there are people that are against animal cruelty. But when you start talking about um, when you start talking about agriculture practices that are humane, or you know, hunting and angling in a humane manner for food not for trophy hunting all this like you get into all these conversations and it's like the more you have the conversations the more people are like oh yeah that okay i'm okay with that like that seems good and then when you have a very opposite side of the spectrum bill like this that's like nope (laughs) all of it gone punishable by losing your left hand and uh I, i think it's it's a it's a bit extreme but i think the important takeaway is that as those people who enjoy the outdoors and enjoy hunting and fishing and eating animal products through uh, the wild or through agriculture raised means like we should keep an eye on this and watch and and do our part to to make sure that we're kind of challenging these thoughts because these are how uh, misconceptions like that turn into uneducated movements those yep. uneducated movements definitely like kind of threaten what what we'd love to do. Yeah. Right, I'm off my soapbox. 
<laughs> no, no, I think you're spot on with that. But some of the comments cracked me up, though. I will tell you that. <laughs> if any of the people who commented are listening, uh, we do appreciate it because it kept the conversation going for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. So when we first got on, you guys were talking about your, your hunting season, but what have you guys been doing outdoor-wise? Corey, you go first. We've been talking a bunch. This time of year, I typically do a lot of smallmouth fishing, but it's rained so much, and the creeks are just blown out. I haven't, I haven't been able to do that. We went, took the kids to the a farm pond up the road and catching some pretty big bluegill, which was fun. Um, you know, couldn't keep a line in the water for the first half hour, 45 minutes. It just kept getting getting crushed by those bluegill and they're not they weren't small either they were you know nice nine inch dinner plate size bluegill but i love bluegill it's a it's a real small farm pond we didn't keep any we we tossed them back i didn't want to take the farmer's fish but that's fair trying to i I have a question yes i have a question um, you're competing in the uh, Go Wild Bass Tournament. I I was yeah. I think it's officially over. Is it? Did you win? No, 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 not even close. Didn't didn't last. So didn't last year you you came in like you placed didn't you last year or something? No, 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 no. I think I I had yeah. a better chance last year if I took it more seriously. But so they it's it's um it's kind of on the honor system, but they do have ways to to kind of keep you honest. Um so you you catch either it's only smallmouth or largemouth bass. And um you they when you register f- when you registered for the tournament, they sent you an email with like a uh, a logo for the the tournament so you have to print that out and then each time you catch a fish you take a picture of it on like a bump board or I just used you can't use a tape measure you can't use anything flexible so I had like a carpenter's ruler you know one that like you fold you can fold up mm-hmm. and um, you take a picture of that on the on the bump board or measuring stick with that logo in the background and you log that as a trophy on go wild and then you accumulate total inches and that's that's how you know that's how they keep track of who's winning his inches and uh i think last year i had like four or five fish you know average you know maybe like 40 inches of fish this year i might might have had 80 inches but uh do you know what the first place yeah, I'll pull up the I'll pull up the the announcement of who won. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Huh. So only do the smallmouth bass and the largemouth bass compete in the same like categories? Is it just a general category? Well, see that this year it seemed to be that way. It was like it didn't matter if it was a largemouth or a smallmouth at all, it was like um together. Last year it was smallmouth or largemouth. 
So he kind of had two different. And I, I thought I would have a good chance because I, you know, it seemed like a lot of people were doing, a lot more people were doing the largemouth. And I was, I had a couple nice smallmouth to start. And then, like, I don't know what happened. I, I don't know if we went on vacation or, or what happened. I couldn't go fishing as much as I wanted to. And, like, after the first week, I, I kind of gave up. But, so this year, I think I had about 80 inches of fish. Do you want to take a guess at the winner, the grand prize total? Mm, 3,214. Uh, it's 2,037. 2,037 wow, wow. inches of bass. Is what, That's a lot of bass. What won second place? Yeah, second place was uh, 1,762, and then it, it dropped considerably after that, down to 719, 696, 508 were the top five. So Someone was out there getting after it pretty regularly if they had to get that much. Yeah. I mean, what's I, the, the average The guy size that came in bass? second, we were – yeah. Yeah, the, the guy that, that came in second, um, we were actually talking on – you know, one on one of my entries, he, um, because I, you know, so yeah, you're another 10 inch bass that adds to my total. I'll never get his name's Jim Litwin. I'll never catch Jim. And, uh, he oh, said that it was fish all, you know, he had a, he has a full time job. So he's like, as soon as he got home from work, he went fishing and fished until he went to bed and did that every day. And he's like, it kind of took the fun out of fishing. So, but I guess that's what you got to oh, do yeah. to get 1,700 inches of fish. Yeah. But Jeez. they have some good prizes, too. And, like, they had a weekly winner. If you had the biggest fish of the week, um, you you had a, you got, um, like, a hat and a shirt and some lures and, and stuff like that. And so I was kind of hoping for that because I've, I've caught some nice – I've caught some nice smallmouth in the, in the stream by the house that – you know, push that 20 inch mark. Yeah. And I thought maybe I can, I can get, you know, in as a weekly winner. Um, but I never, I think my biggest fish was 14, but so most, yeah. of the, most of the weekly winners were between 20 and 22 inches, but it was fun. And, and you don't want it to feel like a chore either. Like you got to go do it just, you know? Yeah. Although I, I don't do enough to make it a chore, but like, yeah, I, I, I mean, if you're if you're trying to, to get like the two thousand inches, or yeah, whatever, yeah, you know, they're, like yeah, it's kind of. I, I I can see where that guy's coming from, where he's like, yeah, kind of took the fun out of it. So, yeah, I would wait until the kids were in bed, and I'd have you know an hour, hour and a half to fish before it got too dark. What time of year is the uh, bass fishing contest at? Is it in the winter or summer, spring? So it was. It just finished up. Okay. Yeah, it just ended this this past weekend. So it start. It's four le- weeks long. It started the second half of June, and ended uh, the first half of July. Right. So went through the first half. So of was July. it pretty so buggy? You said weeks. you were going out like right before the sun, right before it got too dark. Was it pretty buggy out and stuff? You getting eaten alive? I know my parents who were in Central PA. They were. It was pretty hot there the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, it it wasn't terrible. Nothing out of the ordinary. Yeah. Do you get any cicadas up by you? No, we're too far north. All right. Oh man, I want to hear this story about the cicadas. What, like the the background on them, or all all of it? I mean, you you had planned to consume. Oh yeah, these there there was names. a twist in that uh, a fascinating biological twist. 
um, which. So let's start start at the beginning. Start at so the beginning. So this was. I mean, they're like long gone now. I think I don't think they're around anymore. Um, they're only out for a few weeks, but it's Brood Ten, also called Brood X, because of the Roman numeral. Uh, these are seventeen-year cicadas, so they come out every seventeen years. Uh, they hatch. They're everywhere. There's like literally billions of them. They start around um, like Chesapeake Bay area, so like Virginia, Delaware, Maryland. Uh, that's kind of where they come out. I think the Carolinas too get them, like North Carolina. Uh, so as it gets warmer and it gets warmer farther north and they start moving farther north too. So like the southern half, southern half and eastern portion of Pennsylvania get these cicadas. Like the, they get cicadas every year, but this particular brood they also get. Um, so yeah, I think it was, let's see, I went home at the end of May, um, and I went, I went birding with my parents and everything. And this one spot we went to we went birding too. So they weren't at my parents' house, but we went birding maybe an hour away. Um, and they were all over the place. It was weird how they hadn't been to my parents' house yet, but they were, you know, just less than an hour away. They were all over the place. Um, so they come out, they lay eggs all up in the trees. They crawl everywhere. They burrow these holes. Uh, and then whatever comes out, they just die and then they're gone, but they leave like these, uh, like there are malts everywhere. So you see like these ghosts of them, they have like these brown shells. Uh, it's pretty like creepy looking if you don't know what you're looking at, but uh, otherwise it's, it's pretty cool to watch. You can watch them like literally come out of their shells. Um, yeah, so they lay eggs and then it'll be another 17 years before they come out again. But there are different broods. So there are broods that come out like every year, every three years. I think there's one every 10 years. I was going to say, I, I mean, I remember collecting those little exoskeletons when I was yeah. a kid. Yeah, there are some that come out every year, and then occasionally it's like the 17-year one is a particularly big brood by itself. The last time I saw them was in 2000 and, well, yeah, 2004. And uh, it would have, I think that year was also another big brood, like they lined up, um, which is pretty neat because there was like two giant broods that were you know, joining forces. Um, so they're pretty neat, but uh, I, yeah, I collected a bunch of them. Would, would you say that, would you say that they were broad broods? Broad, broad. Yeah, they were, they were broad broods. Yeah. Uh, so good one, Justin. Uh, so I had, I had heard about, but um, <laughs> heard about being able to cook them. Um, if you're brave enough, if you're up for it, and they, people have called them the shrimp, like shrimp of the land, land shrimp. Supposedly they kind of taste similar, but you got to catch them when they're just molted. So they, when they just molt, they're white. Uh, they're like pure white with these red eyes. They're the creepiest looking things you'll ever see. And they're squishy. Um, but over the course, <laughs> so I did that. I collected, I'd say probably 15 of them. Um, I put them in a little baggie that I had. I left a little bit of air in there so they could breathe. But the way that they, their shells their carapace hardens is over the course of like a few hours, they secrete this black oil. It's actually, if you've ever picked up a grasshopper and it leaves like this black stuff on you, it's the same stuff. But cicadas use that to harden their shells. So I could actually see it when I had had them in this bag, they were like oozing this black grease everywhere and getting like they were, their carapace was hardening at the same time. So like after her, I think it was probably like three hours. 
they were like I couldn't do anything with them. They were they wouldn't have been good. They weren't they weren't prime cicada ripeness. Uh, they were too ripe. <laughs> so um, we didn't just waste them. I, my parents have a, a lizard at home, so we froze them. And then uh, every once in a while, they'll take some out and and uh, feed the gecko. And that's he gets a little treat that way. Oh, that's cool. But no, I did not. I did not get a chance to saute them up and enjoy this delicacy of the Mid Atlantic. Mm. Yeah. Um. Wow. Yeah. Uh. Well, I guess you have to wait another seventeen years. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it'll be like the other birds out and stuff, but uh, they do make a really oh, so it's any it's it's any brood, not just right. This, this one was brood. just popular because it's the big brood. It's like the real famous one. Um, that's why the broad brood, the, broad, the broadest of the broods. Uh, <laughs> that's why this one was gaining a lot of attention. Um, but if you do go to the Harvesting Nature page, go back a while until like late May, early June. Yeah, it would have been early June. There is a video that I put up of uh, where we found them, and you can hear them, and it is the weirdest sound. It's like this alien like drone going on. If you could, if you could describe it, if you could imitate um, it. I don't know if I can imitate it. I'm not going to embarrass myself like that. Yeah, there's definitely can't imitate it. I'm not going to do yeah. that to myself. Uh, it sounds like some, like some of the alien sounds out of uh, Independence Day, you know, when they're like doing the mind control thing, the original one. Mm-hmm. Never seen Independence Day? I don't remember what it sounds like. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing that. This isn't for you, Justin. This is for our listeners. So if you remember what the alien sounded like when they're doing the whole mind control thing. It's like a buzzing. Yeah, it's like a high-pitched buzzing. It's, it's weird. Was it like a ee or like a ee? Yeah, that was it. Do that again, Justin. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ee. That's it? Yeah, kind of. Call it a nice E sharp? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know music, so I just made that up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that that's the cicada story. Well, I did um, in other, okay. like, nature news, I stumbled across a lobster mushroom uh last week when i was out hiking which is a nice surprise uh, i took that home and cooked it up still here so i think i'm all good but it was very tasty yeah <laughs> sauteed it some did you ask did you ask did you confirm the identity of this mushroom uh, on i have Facebook? this app actually uh <laughs> it's from iNaturalist. it's called seek yeah even and that's it was a lobster mushroom um and then i sent it to a guy i work with who's uh a uh a hobby mycologist he's into mushrooming uh and he said yeah it's a lobster i guess they're pretty unmistakable um so yeah i cleaned it up cut it up and uh sauteed it it was pretty good didn't really taste like a lobster hmm. but uh yeah it was it was good it's like it's like an earthy mushroom does it look does it look like a lobster like the color of it or yeah that's that's kind of where it gets its name it's color and the shape so it's actually not the fungus itself. It's a parasite fungus that attaches to certain other mushrooms. So when it does that, mm. it turns the shape of that mushroom that it attaches to, it turns it red or like a like a lobster red color. But then the mushroom that it attaches to, now it looks kind of like a lobster claw. So that's where it gets its name from. Some people say it tastes like lobster, but that's up for debate. It definitely tastes like a mushroom. So yeah, that, that was pretty neat. 
I so I, I joined a, a couple foraging groups out here. Uh, have yet to go out and forage, although I'm 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 hearing that the spruce uh, has the like little tips you can take right now, oh. and that uh, I just saw somebody posted in the group that uh, the wild strawberries are now growing in Colorado. Yep. The uh, blackberries so, and um, raspberry bushes are starting to get berries right now which is nice because they have really good wild blackberries out here let's watch out for bears yeah they aren't gonna eat. no that's true um you know we you know i realized too we never we never talked about our bear hunting film or films on the podcast at all i was thinking about that today yeah um i thought they turned out great where we did those two x yeah yeah uh, they were great Corey, what did you think did you ever watch them Corey, for Corey is giving oh, us a no. look. <laughs> I'm busy with editing, and and producing, and all the responsibilities of a podcast producer. So I don't get the luxury of. He got all the videos that we sent him, that ended up in the in the final video, in the final film. He got all those little ones. He watched all those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He saw the pictures. Uh, no, I thought they turned out great. I thought. Ryan and Emily did a great job on the film. Yeah, really awesome job. Um, it captured the the struggles of a DIY hunt in an unfamiliar land, I think, very well. And it was nice that it was successful at the end, too. Yeah, we still have to do our Q&A. Yeah. Uh, we were going to do a Q&A. We need to set that up for in the next couple weeks. That'll be fun. We did one after our Wyoming antelope film. AJ and I got on and, and talked about it, but it'll be fun with yeah, that was fun. on. That was a good time. Um, I went out we, with uh, with Riverside. We have the ability to get a live audience, so maybe we can get some participants from the community page. Yeah, that want to participate in that live Q and A and record record the uh record it as a podcast and i think we can push it uh as a live too from here right uh i think it connects to like twitter facebook and instagram live i think oh yeah that'd be something to look into that'd be cool be way easy yeah so we just do we just end up doing one and then we can all each monitor one of the accounts for questions and then maybe get people to participate I guess people will be participating yep. if they're asking questions, but that could be a fun way to do it. Um, I don't know. We'll think about that. We'll put that in the works. So. Uh, dogs barking. <laughs> That's okay. Dogs are allowed. Who rings the doorbell anymore? Uh, so <laughs> the last time I was on, hold on for a second. Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> who rings the doorbell people just walk in these days who just shows up <laughs> right <laughs> i got my new boat i saw that a bear yeah it's a bear legit i've been shopping around for like two weeks around here um why why'd you go with the bear what was your what was your not saying it was a bad choice just what wondering your thought process what was what was the factor that had you pull the trigger well so it, it was in my budget um i was looking to spend under 500 dollars um i'm also in a very unique uh position so my draw length is 29.8 uh 
So I'm literally like on the cusp of 30, which if people are avid archers, they know that 30 is like a, a turning point between like a standard bow and a, a larger bow, um, which means they're more expensive, which means they jump up to like seven, $800 at the bottom end. So luckily I got under that. Um, I went to a number of stores here and they kind of gave me some different recommendations. Um, the reason I chose this one was, is that, uh, so it has a very, it can be set to a very low draw weight and it can be set to a very high draw weight, uh, which is good because if I get tired of it or I upgrade, upgrade, I can pass it down to Zoe, uh, my daughter, uh, same with the, the draw length too. It had a pretty variable one. Um, uh, also too, AJ got pretty much the same model and was having good time shooting it. And I know that he's pretty thorough and doing his research. Uh, so I went off his recommendation also. And then as I went around the stores and shopped it, it was, you know, uh, like middle of my budget range, uh, between three and five. And then I was actually able to find an archery shop. I think it was on Amazon that, uh, that had it for sale. And I really liked the one they had. It was like a full kit, like the pattern, like the setup. And then I, uh, I also used my credit card on, uh, via Amazon, which gave me a bunch of points that I had accrued. So I got like a good deal nice. on it pretty much. So, yeah, but I think this weekend, well, we're supposed to get our, our household goods on Friday, but, uh, if I have time on Saturday or Sunday, I'm going to take it to the shop and, and get it tuned up and buy some arrows. And we have, a uh, one of the lakes, the reservoirs here is like a county park. And they have a, an archery range there that you can you can buy a pass, a yearly pass. And they just have hay bales out there, and you just go set up your target and shoot. So probably start doing that. Get ready for uh, archery season. I think Ben's coming to Colorado. Uh, AJ may or may not be coming uh, as well uh, at some point um, to hunt the archery elk. I'll probably do the over-the-counter archery pronghorn and then uh, bear, I think, as well. Yeah. So for for the archery pronghorn, what what is your goal for an effective range with that new bow? Uh, I'm gonna try to get comfortable shooting at like 40. I mean, I shot my I shot my pronghorn buck last year at 36 yards with my with rifle. rifle. So yeah, yeah. So if I can get within 36 yards with a rifle, I could probably do it with a bow. Um, I mean, I like that aspect too uh, of of the antelope hunting. Like, I'm not big on the long range shots, uh, as people know if they've watched the Oregon Bear film. Um, but I like trying to get close to animals and, and getting a good shot. Know I'm going to connect really well. So I think that's something that intrigues me about the archery aspect is is the challenge of getting close and actually stalking the game. So. But I'm excited. I'm excited to shoot. I haven't bought a new compound bow. Actually, I've never bought a new compound bow. My grandfather bought me my first bow when I was probably 12, 11, 13 maybe. And uh, I shot it off and on growing up as a kid. Never shot a deer with it. Took it hunting maybe a handful of times. But uh, this is kind of the year where I'm taking it serious just to open up my opportunities. So Nice. Nice. Well, looking forward to seeing the results. Yeah, me too. Went to an archery shoot this past weekend, but... Got rained out. It seems to be a common theme around here. 
And it rains here every day. I don't know what you're talking oh. about. <laughs> you got to get used <laughs> well, to it. <laughs> Justin, the last time I was on, so last week, uh, I was talking about going out for Nutria, and I did. Um, yeah, yeah, I went to this local farm, walked around for a couple of hours, didn't find any, decided to check one more area before I left. And I was walking along this ditch, and there are like three big fat ones. I actually thought they were otters at first because they were swimming around like a family of otters would. Um, but then I had my little mm-hmm. binoculars and uh, looked at them, determined that they definitely were not otters because I would hate to do that and mistake something. Um, and then as I got closer, I think I don't know if they saw me and started going in the water or they were just doing that, planning on it anyway, because I was pretty well hidden. Um and then I ended up shooting at one, and I think the water broke the BB velocity, so I was shooting shotgun with BB, and uh, I never saw it come up again. I mean, I know they can swim pretty far underwater, but it never came back up, so I don't know what happened to it. I saw huh. the other ones swimming around again, uh, and then they all dove before I could get a shot on them. Um, so I don't know, but I'm going out again this weekend, and I'm going to bring a 22, and that way, if it does... Go through the. Have I was, to go through I was the water. just gonna ask. You have you. Yeah. Yep. You have to have a shotgun, or you can use a rifle. I I brought the shotgun. So it's on this guy's farm, and I called him, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't I don't care, man. You don't even have to let me know. Just just show up and shoot him." Um. So I said, so I said, cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I brought the shotgun because one of the guys I work with who shot the two of them in our goose hunting spot last fall. He shot him with BB, so I thought, okay, that that's perfect. Um, I'll bring that. Didn't work for me, so I think I'll bring the 22, and uh, that should ho- hopefully should work a little bit better. Saw a couple things where you have to give them a couple weeks if you hunted them before in an area, but I don't think they're uh, I don't think they're too shy like that around here. I mean, I see them crossing the road and stuff all the time. So hopefully this weekend will be a little bit better. That's actually what just came in the mail is a some ammo i got some ammo so yeah nice yeah they're starting to have it here at the different stores uh five five six i think nice um well i think i'm gonna have to wrap it up yeah same i gotta eat at some point yeah as much fun as this has been but yeah so thanks everybody for listening make sure you go check out social media page all facebook instagram pages you should be following us if you're not that way you get all that hot sweet information right off the press <laughs> uh that didn't come out right yep <laughs> i think it came out just <laughs> yeah, i think that was that that's good to go all right everybody thanks have a good night <laughs>